February the 23rd. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Putin recognises separatists' claims on Donbass and the West announces sanctions. First, the world in brief. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, recognised separatists' claims to the entire Donbass region of Ukraine, and not just the portion of it that they control. Russia said it will evacuate its diplomats from Ukraine. Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, cancelled a meeting with his Russian counterpart that was set for Thursday. He said Russia, quote, hasn't been serious to date about diplomacy. Earlier, Mr. Putin ordered troops to enter separatist-occupied areas of Donetsk and Luhansk, raising fears of a full-scale invasion. Australia and Japan both announced sanctions against Russia, joining America, Britain and the EU. Most measures focus on the country's banks and its elites. America has also targeted Russia's sovereign debt, thereby cutting it off from Western financing. The EU is sanctioning 351 Russian parliamentarians who voted to recognise Donetsk and Luhansk as independent states. Scott Morrison, Australia's Prime Minister, warned that he expects, quote, a full-scale invasion of Ukraine within, quote, the next 24 hours. Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor of Germany, said he would not allow Nord Stream 2, the controversial gas pipeline that has been built between Russia and Germany, to operate. Mr. Schultz said Russia's actions had made the situation, quote, fundamentally different. Until Tuesday, Germany had resisted calls from America and other countries to block the pipeline. In response, Russia warned that gas prices in Europe would skyrocket. Stock markets in Asia rose during early trading on Wednesday in response to the news of sanctions. Major indices in China, Hong Kong and South Korea all traded higher. In America, the S&P 500 shed 1% on Tuesday. The index is now down by 10% from its recent peak. Meanwhile, the price of Brent crude, the international oil benchmark, approached $100 for the first time since 2014, before settling near $97. A jury in Georgia found the three white men who killed Ahmaud Arbery, an unarmed African-American man, guilty of federal hate crimes and other charges, determining that they targeted him because of his race. Two of the defendants, Gregory McMichael and his son Travis, had a history of using racist slurs. They had already been sentenced to life in prison after their murder convictions. Taiwan's president said her country must be on high alert for, quote, military developments around the Taiwan Strait, at a meeting about the crisis in Ukraine. Tsai Ing-wen suggested that Russia's actions in Ukraine could affect the, quote, morale of Taiwanese society. China, which considers Taiwan its own territory, has increased its military activity around the island over the last two years. Hong Kong announced mandatory COVID-19 testing for all residents. The territory is experiencing a surge in Omicron cases, with the University of Hong Kong warning on Tuesday that a third of the population may soon be in isolation. Elsewhere, Uganda's parliament announced plans to fine or even jail citizens who refuse to get vaccinated. And fact of the day. 
25,000. The annual death toll on India's railways. And now here's today's agenda. On the ground in Donetsk and Luhansk. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, has ordered his troops to cross into the newly recognised People's Republics of Donetsk and Luhansk in eastern Ukraine. But how will Russia view the swathes of Ukrainian territory that these separatist regions claim but do not control? Our correspondent found all strands of opinion on the streets of Slovyansk, a town the separatists took and then lost in 2014. Many people remain unflappable. News of shelling at the front line and beyond does not shock them. They have lived through conflict for the past eight years. But others, who on Monday heard Mr Putin undermine Ukraine's legitimacy as a sovereign state, feel that something is changing. Quote, We are in Ukrainian Donetsk, but soon our region may have another name, says one young man, who is finalising plans to leave for Germany. If Mr Putin's ambitions stretch beyond the de facto borders of the breakaway regions, it is anyone's guess where they might stop. Rio Tinto's Results Expect strong annual results from Rio Tinto on Wednesday. About half of the global mining giant's revenue comes from iron ore, the price of which has jumped by two-thirds since November. The price of other metals, including aluminium and nickel, have climbed too. Constrained supply and resurgent demand as economies reopen are behind the rally. BHP and Glencore, two other miners, have already published handsome profits. Anglo-American is expected to do the same on Thursday. Corporate culture is still a problem for the industry. This month, Rio published the findings of an external investigation it had commissioned, which found that almost half of its employees said they had been bullied in the past five years. Glencore has troubles too. This month it put aside $1.5 billion to cover expected fines from bribery and corruption investigations in Brazil, Britain and America. Despite rosy results, the industry is struggling to shake off a reputation for bad behaviour. California's housing crisis. The Golden State is home to nearly half of America's rough sleepers. The median price of a house in California is more than double the national average, and even, quote, affordable housing is not immune from high prices. In 2016, voters in Los Angeles overwhelmingly approved massive spending on a subsidized housing plan. An audit of the scheme, due to be published on Wednesday, will show that the average cost per flat identified in 2020, already a staggering $531,000, has since ballooned. Shortages of building materials have nudged up costs. But bureaucracy is a far bigger problem. An array of government agencies pump out rules that restrict building and line the pockets of consultants, lawyers, environmental specialists and unions. One study found that a requirement to build subsidised housing with union labour added more than $50,000 to a flat's cost. California's governor, Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, has chipped away at some home-building impediments, 
but there is little prospect of significant change. Great Expectations from Barclays Barclays' full-year earnings for 2021, due on Wednesday, will be the British bank's first results since its former chief executive, Jess Staley, resigned in November. His departure followed a regulatory probe into his business dealings with Jeffrey Epstein, the disgraced financier and convicted paedophile. Mr Staley denies that his conduct was improper. Mr Staley's resignation overshadowed a bumper third quarter. Barclays made a pre-tax profit of £2 billion, $2.7 billion, comfortably beating analysts' average forecast of £1.6 billion and nearly doubling its tally of a year before. Its investment bank drove the outperformance, taking advantage of a booming mergers and acquisitions market to generate big fees. That bodes well for Wednesday's results. Deal-making continued apace in the fourth quarter. But M&A advisory fees depend on market conditions. That makes them hard to extrapolate into the future. Success there may do little for Barclays' share price. By invitation, Alexander Gabuev on Russia's elites. This is an excerpt from a guest essay by a senior fellow at the Carnegie Moscow Centre. Anywhere you turn in Moscow, it's easy to find members of the Russian elite who wonder why the West thinks that war in Ukraine is the Kremlin's preferred course of action. Even if the Russian army manages to force Kiev into a swift defeat, the damage to Russia's national interests would surely outweigh any potential military gains. The problem is that the same logic was just as true eight years ago, when the fateful decisions were made to annex Crimea and to stir conflict in Ukraine's Donbass region. The fact that Russia has been able to endure the international fallout for all these years helps to explain why the region finds itself again on the brink of war. When it comes to Ukraine, people in Moscow and the West can be forgiven for assuming that the Kremlin's policy is informed by a dispassionate strategy. What actually drives the Kremlin are the tough ideas and interests of a small group of long-time lieutenants to President Vladimir Putin, as well as those of the Russian leader himself. Daily Quiz You know the drill by now. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which English author wrote an expose of the funeral industry called The American Way of Death? Finally, here's the quote of the day from W.E.B. Du Bois, who was born on this day in 1868. There is but one coward on earth, and that is the coward that dare not know. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, 
including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.